getting the best out of LinkedIn. This is the Learning Podcast with Ennio Sung. Welcome to this episode of the Learning Podcast with me, Ennio Global.media. I'm a firm believer in building your network on LinkedIn. Ironically, I got a message from LinkedIn a couple of days ago asking me why I believe it's usual to build your network. I respond that everything that's good about LinkedIn happens with people you're connected with. You can talk to your connections, you can see each other's posts, and you can invite connections to events and talk to them on LinkedIn and get them to see whatever you do. Now, we all have our own ways of getting connections on LinkedIn. And the way that worked for me may not work for you. I've done a few podcast episodes on how to get connections on LinkedIn in the past, from interviewing people who got unique methods and talking about what we do at global.media and also what we shouldn't do if we get you in trouble with LinkedIn. This episode is different to all the others because it's based on the views of people in my recent LinkedIn audio event room, where we talked about the popular methods that marketers use today to build a network on LinkedIn. This is again to back up all the changes and restrictions that LinkedIn has brought in recently. So listen to find out which ways of getting connections are working for LinkedIn marketers right now. Here's my rough plan for what you're going to hear today. So I always say there's more than one way to skin a cat. In other words, there are several ways to build your network on LinkedIn. So I talked about 11 different methods in my LinkedIn audio room, and I will boil this down to the top four based on the discussions and the views of the people who came to join us in the room that day. So I'm going to talk about why choosing a way to build your connection matters. So within, I'm going to talk about how the methods you choose affects your mindset and the results you get. But also, I'm going to move on to the four best ways to build your connections on LinkedIn. Then we're going to look at how you can start implementing those connection strategies in LinkedIn marketing right now. So let's get straight into it. What does it matter which method you choose to build your connections on LinkedIn? So no matter which method you use, you must believe it will work. When having a positive mindset is essential to anything you do, especially on LinkedIn. Your marketers have to be irrationally optimistic. As a marketer, you will struggle through many days when it seems like everything you do is not working. If you're not a glass half full type of person, it's hard to have the courage and strength that you need to wake up every day and continue doing your marketing, especially on LinkedIn. Lots of people will say no. Some will even be rude to you when you try to connect with them. Your tech will crash, of course, at the worst possible times. And other people just look like they're doing much better than you at this marketing game. A positive mindset goes a long way to have marketers be successful in the long term. I tend to remember in the back of my mind when I'm doing any marketing task that every campaign looks like a failure at the beginning and in the middle. Only when you do it properly and for long enough that you actually see results at the end. The mindset is really important. A big part of believing in your way of building your LinkedIn connections is making sure that you stay true to your brand values and your brand self in everything you do on LinkedIn. When you stay true to your beliefs and how to connect with people, when you do what you believe is right and shows your business how you want people to see you, that's when good things happen. Here's some of the things that happen to a positive mindset. First of all, you're much less anxious. You're less worried when things and times are hard. Anyone who's on LinkedIn long enough knows that there are many ways they can easily upset LinkedIn that can get you into dreaded LinkedIn jail. I've done LinkedIn long enough, and I remember that there's so many days, weeks, maybe even years, that I just wake up with dread every single day 
because you have to worry that LinkedIn might have changed. LinkedIn might have brought another new rule in. Uh, LinkedIn might have suspended your account. It was genuine fear. Even my account, my client's account will be affected. And the plans that we had for that day, for that week, for that client, would just literally go down the pan. If you've got the right method, you don't worry about things like that because they won't happen to you. So on the positive side, if you use methods that you believe in and that align with your values, you wake up every morning motivated to just do your marketing. Almost excited because you know that you're doing the right thing and you know that you're going to get the results you want. When you are up for it, motivated and driven, then you come across as more confident and maybe more worthy, worthy being inverted commas. In other words, you're more likable. People see you as more capable, more confident, more qualified. That's when they actually want to connect with you. So when you come across as more positive as the person you are, happy, excited, capable, likable, then you get more connections. And with that, you get more prospects. Ultimately, if you've got the right mindset and right method, then you tend to get better results and the results that you actually do want. I'm sure you've heard a saying, whether you think you can or you can't, you're probably right. In other words, marketing is all about having the right mindset. Whatever tactics you use, you need to believe in it. You need to be passionate about doing it. Otherwise, it won't work if you don't believe in it. The reality is that in these attention staff days, someone is more likely to be receptive to connecting with you if they're interested in what you do and, you, and can see some possible benefits spending time responding to you. That's why targeting is so important before you even do anything on LinkedIn. So once you know your target audience, then let's go through the methods that you use to connect with them these days. As I go through each method, think to yourself, what do you think of the method? Have you tried it? Has it worked for you or someone you know? And what problems do you see with each method? So let's get straight into them. So the methods that I said there are four of them. Here's the first one. See, we know that LinkedIn is by far the best place to find people in business all in one place. There's nowhere else on social media where you can search for and find people in any industry, in any place. Whatever your target market, if you know to search for on LinkedIn, especially if you pay for the advanced search tools like Sales Navigator, you will likely find thousands of people who fit your search criteria and a few more who don't fit your criteria. Literally rogues, dumb results that you have to ignore or get rid of. Many LinkedIn marketers just do their search and then send invites to connect to people on their search results. If you've listened to my podcasts often enough or read my blogs or watch my weekly video tips, or you follow my social media posts. You know that I spent years building global.media up by, by using the search and connect method mainly. So as a preacher of direct marketing, I had no problem helping hundreds of businesses to connect with their target audience and building relationships that eventually turned into doing business together. In fact, many of my clients have built their business on the back of my search and connect approach on LinkedIn because it's guaranteed a good number of connections per month and instead a number of high-value prospects especially if you got your targeting right. However, LinkedIn has changed. That is why I'm surprised that LinkedIn users are still strongly in favor of using Search and Connect today. Here's the problem with Search and Connect. LinkedIn doesn't want you connecting with people that you don't know in real life, even though you can show a line of connection, either first level, second level, or third level. LinkedIn seems to think they're like Facebook, where you get to talk with and have a laugh with your business friends and your family pointless. LinkedIn clamps down seriously hard on people who do search and connect. This, this clamp that started about a year ago. 
when it's at limited number of connection requests you can send to 100 a week. And it starts punishing accounts to actually do search and connect. So arguably, many LinkedIn users say they hate people who do search and connect. Some will call it spam and can report you to LinkedIn. The fact that LinkedIn marketers are still doing search and connect tells you that it still works, especially if you can keep under the radar by keeping well within LinkedIn's numbers and limits. If you've got a hyper-targeted audience that will be responsive to your connection requests, and also if you don't send sales messages to people who connect with you. So I can say that I followed all of, these, all of these rules, but still the chance of tripping over LinkedIn tripwise was far too risky. Even though I never lost an account, I took all my accounts on LinkedIn, I just got sick and tired of LinkedIn's stringent rules and feeling that my and my clients' accounts could be suspended or blocked at any time. The truth is I found other equally effective ways to connect with people that I want to connect with on LinkedIn. There are ways you can find the same people who are on LinkedIn on other platforms, not social media necessarily. There are tools out there where you can find your target audience by job title or their job role, the industry, the company size, the location, just as you can do on LinkedIn. So that's why essentially I do less LinkedIn session connect these days and I do other methods to get my clients customers. See, now I'm, I'm much less keen to do search and connect for myself or my clients. I use the other tools that I know exist and the other ways that are much more good for your soul, is what I say. So if you know people do search and connect still, it's risky, but it works. But there's other methods you can also use on LinkedIn that are much less risky from LinkedIn's point of view. And like I say, they're better for your soul. Let's look at some of those. I'm not surprised that LinkedIn marketers get connections from people who see and like their organic posts. So that's a free post, not, not advertising. In fact, many people's posts often go with a hope that people in your target market will get wowed by what you post and then send you a connection request. I post every day on LinkedIn, twice a day, in fact. How often do you post on LinkedIn? There are many types of posts that you can do on LinkedIn that could resonate with your target audience. Some people post about their target audience, but it's what they think the target audience is interested in and might enjoy and engage with. I mean, this can be information like I post about marketing topics that small businesses can benefit from knowing. I post the same type of content information for my clients and their personal profile and company pages. So I post about their niche in terms of articles, quotes, and resources to engage ideal customers. You can also post what I call business posts that talk about your company. Here, you'll see me routinely post about my video tips, my blogs, this podcasts, the events we do, our testimonials, our services, and activities that we do, places we go, people we meet. The same strategy works for my clients, for whom we post once a day about the business. And for those that are retailers, we often post about their products too. Even though they say you shouldn't be too salesy, if you sell products, then show them what you sell. Another option for posts is to use what I call storytelling. So telling stories about your brand, yourself, your vision, and so on. I have no problem admitting that you can probably describe me accurately as an informational storyteller. I know how to use information and media to tell a story. I tend to have a certain rhythm of what's a problem in a way that might get attention. Now, some people try to actually look at it. I look at the post and try and find out more. Now, so first thing is, you know, it's a shocking line that describes the problem in a way that would stop anyone. And then I tend to say why this issue matters in the next line in my post and why you should care. The third line tends to be, what's the solution? 
And then the last line of most of my posts tends to be see more about this solution here with a link to where the resource or there's a blog or article. So I've seen some posts by creative storytellers who create posts that are just brilliant. Check out some posts by Hannah Idachaba, for example. I admire people like Hannah who come up with posts that are in the form of creative stories that are more aimed at making you think. Essentially, they want to inspire productive debates on important issues in your industry or in the business world as a whole. So both the content of their stories and how, how they present it is thoughtful and so it leads to more productive conversations rather than emotionally heated debates and arguments. If you can link your creative stories to issues that your target audience face and your ideal solution, I mean, you're onto a winner there, aren't you? Because that's a strategy where people actually want to read your stories, participate, engage, and then find out more about you and your approach. So there are many types of posts other than the three I've mentioned so far, other than storytelling, business information posts, and your target audience interest posts. I'm not a fan of posting controversial, emotionally draining content, for example. I mean, you, you, know, you could also post photos of your baby, your pets, or your ill family member. And that will get you loads of engagement with people responding with sympathy to your post. On social media, the reason I don't do it is because people who have sympathy for you, in most cases, it's called pity. But see, there are many other types of posts that you can delve into. You find a type of post that works for you, then run with it. I tend to go, I tend to go with a mix of posts, all the things I've mentioned so far. See, but I've got an issue with organic posts. I mean, my issues are many, really. And I post pretty much every day, like I say, twice a day for me and my clients. But there's many issues that worry me when it comes to organic posts. The first one is that organic posts are not targeted. So you can't make your posts visible to any specific group of people only, unless you pay for ads. The second problem I have with posts is that it's a massive leap to go from getting people engaging with your posts, you know, them liking and commenting your posts, to getting them to want to connect with you, and then make an inquiry. As people share their LinkedIn post ideas in my LinkedIn audio room, the question that was going around in my head was, so how many leads do your posts generate a month? The truth is that in most cases, people will enjoy your posts and then move on to the next. I mean, we know that virtually no one can remember your posts or a post that I saw 90 seconds ago. So how memorable are your posts really? My biggest issue with relying on organic posts to generate prospects and leads is that the big people in companies, the decision makers, they don't rely on scrolling through their social media feeds and then getting a credit card out to commission services based purely on the posts that they see. It does happen, of course, but you can't rely on building a business that way. It's not going to happen often enough for my liking or for my client's liking. From my experience, posts are good for gaining awareness and for doing what I call peacocking about your business. All on Sandra, you know what peacocks do. They, they flare their, t- their tail out, looks all colorful and bright. And it looks brilliant. Show enough, in other words. And if you are a retail business, great looking posts definitely can sell. For the rest of us service providers, some people will engage by liking and commenting on your post on LinkedIn, especially if you build a network on the platform. But overall, I've never found that I could rely on posts alone to get a consistent stream of clients for global.media from a, from a professional services clients. The important word is there, 
is a consistent stream of clients. That's what we all need. One or two here and there is not really enough to keep a business going. So on to the third method to get people to engage with you on LinkedIn. You know, it's logical that if you like and comment on someone's posts, then LinkedIn will tell them that, you know, that you've commented on the post and then they'll see your name. So they may then decide to connect with you or at least start a dialogue with you, like a little connection request. I know LinkedIn marketers who use what I call actively engaging as their primary connection strategy. It's something they call inbound marketing these days where they attract people to their business. One of my friends, Tommy, paid for Sales Navigator just so that I could search for the people he wants to connect with. And because LinkedIn has a separate news feed that shows Sales Navigator subscribers' posts, if you market them as leads, then you can spend hours like Tommy did, liking and commenting on, on these people's posts, on this separate feed that most other people don't play for LinkedIn can't see. Every time you comment on a post, they get a notification, a message to their phone, their email, and you hope to start a conversation that way. Sometimes people like Tommy would use the dialogue you had over the posts as a reason to want to connect with you afterwards. Another variation of the actively engaging strategy is simply searching for relevant hashtags for your target audience and then looking through the results to see who fits your target profile. And then you can do the liking and commenting on their posts. A friend of mine, Jay, tells me that his marketing agency regularly gets asked to quote for projects by people who have seen their comments on posts. So it's not always a person posting, I want to find out about what you do. Other LinkedIn users who see the post can be triggered by your comments, especially if they're meaningful and resonate with people. I mean, Jay said he spent at least a couple of hours every day liking and commenting on people's posts on LinkedIn. So commenting and engaging with posts can work if you do enough of it. If you also, if you make some gems of comments that are meaningful and helpful, then people might actually want to connect with you. I ask myself, how many people have I been driven to connect with based on their liking and commenting on someone on mine or someone else's LinkedIn posts? The answer is, in all the years I've been doing LinkedIn, none. Maybe that's just me. I have to feel that any chance you get to get your name in front of other people, your target audience, can't hurt. You get the fact that there's hope that the right people want to connect with you when you flash up on the notifications. So the final method of connection that I'm going to mention now takes a bit from each of the methods I've mentioned so far. Captivating one-liner is something that you can use on your job title or your tagline on LinkedIn. You can use it on your LinkedIn profile. You can use a captivating one-liner in your LinkedIn posts. You can even use a captivating one-liner in your LinkedIn ads or your messages to, con- to new connections. This method, uh, the one, the captivating one-liner was devised by someone called Scott Cundill. Now he's the boss, the founder and head of a company called Majestic3.com. Scott tells us that this captivating one-liner, if you get it right, can get a click-through rate or response rate from LinkedIn users of 25%. I think a quarter of the people that you send connection requests to actually accept in those connection requests. Imagine that if a quarter of people see your profile, actually want to connect with you. Now, that's the power of the captivating one line. So I spent time with Scott. I even interviewed him on the previous episode a month ago to understand how it worked. 
At the heart of the captivating one-liner is that you create a one-line statement that shows your expertise and addresses the person's pain point at the same time without selling. So getting the one-liner right makes the person you want to connect with say, wow, who is this person? And then they want to connect with you. So the captivating one-liner is not about your service or it's not, it's not serving about you. It's just a targeted, clear and intriguing statement that invites the other person to find out more about what you do and how you can help them. Let me give you a couple of examples. I'm well aware that it can sound vague, out of context. So here's a captivating one-liner. Automation of the financial sector is a hot topic right now. A chief financial officer or financial director, how can you not be intrigued by this line? Here's another one. How great airline leaders handle cultural change. See, the airline industry in Europe and the airports, as we all know, are facing severe restructuring and globalization these days. So this line, how great airline leaders handle cultural change, is aimed specifically at the airline industry. And it focuses on a big problem that airlines have these days, cultural integration. That's how the captivating one line can work for you and your business. Getting that line right is everything. But see, you can't ignore the rest of your business and services when you use a captivating one-liner. Instead, what you do is focus your marketing communication on just one powerful captivating one-liner that draws your target audience to you based on the medium you're using. You know, in the right place, seen by the right people, the captivating one-liner can draw people to you, open doors for you to get in front of people who are potentially in your target market, and then you can potentially connect with them. So I love the captivating one-liner simply because it's more than a connection method. So you can use it for your branding. You can use it to attract people who visit your profile to connect with you. The one-liner one can even work for you just by people seeing your name and the one-liner in your tagline in search results. You know, if you engage with posts, people will see the, the captivating one-liner. And if you join LinkedIn groups and events like LinkedIn Audio or LinkedIn Groups, like I mentioned, people can just by seeing your name and your captivating one-liner, they want to connect with you. The biggest challenge I can see we're using the, we're using the captivating one-liner is if you have more than one service. And therefore, you're going to have several one-liners with different target audiences. Then which one will you prioritize today? And developing a truly captivating one-liner is going to be quite a challenge for many, for many businesses. You may want to listen to my learning podcast interview with Scott Condhill on the captivating one-liner in episode nine. So they say there are many other ways to put connections on LinkedIn that I've not even mentioned in this episode so far. I said I had a list of, of 11. I'm going to run through them very quickly. That way, you know, I actually did have a, a longer list. I could easily mention that you know, people do use. I mean, many people would chase up anyone who's looked at a profile. If you pay for LinkedIn, which it says Navigator again, you can look at who's viewed your profile quite easily. And that will normally give you a list of the people who've been to your profile in the last 90 days. You can use that as a reason to connect with them because you know, you're assuming that they've gone to your profile because they're interested in what you do. So will it really hurt to connect with them? Yeah, it depends, doesn't it? How many will be interested in connecting with you? Another way that you can easily use LinkedIn's ability to connect with people in your target audience is to basically leverage your network. 
So you can send connection invites to people that are connected to someone that you want to connect with. You normally see these connection requests start with, I saw that we're both connected with ABC. So I thought it could be good for us to connect too. There's another way to leverage your network, which is to ask your connection to introduce you to their connection that you want to actually connect with. And it's almost like your connection is recommending you to their friend. So there's much more chance that they might say yes and accept the connection request. The final methods I want to talk about in terms of connection with your target audience on LinkedIn is to join LinkedIn groups and events, as I mentioned. If you join a LinkedIn group or if you join the LinkedIn audio event, basically you can follow everyone in the room or in the group. Once you follow someone, then you can then send them a message and start a dialogue that could lead to a connection invite from you or from the other person. See, the first step to implement any connection strategy on LinkedIn is to establish who you want to connect with. What's your goal? Who do you want to connect with? How can you help them? How many of them do you need to connect with this week, this month, this year to achieve your goals? The people you connect, you commit to become your big driver that you focus your energy on to achieve your marketing and business goals. Knowing your target audience is also a good way that allows you to easily ignore anyone else who doesn't fit your criteria. That way you don't waste time and effort. That's already precious. I'm a big advocate of identifying the right people you want to connect with on LinkedIn and only connecting with those people in your target audience. I tend to ask my clients to give me three targeting criteria as a minimum. I want to know where to target market in terms of location, which industry do they work in, and also job title or job role. With that, I can find the right people and engage with them using any of the methods I've mentioned so far, much less search and connect these days. So you can use many more of LinkedIn's 30 targeted criteria to pinpoint the right people to connect with also, especially if you pay for LinkedIn subscriptions, like Sales Navigator or Premium, which will help you to see more people or reach more people. Once you find the right people, be prepared to devote a lot of time to put your LinkedIn connection tactic into effect. I mean, you're going to need to reach out to hundreds and thousands of potential customers and LinkedIn users to get a steady stream of connections and then prospects who might want to connect with you to find out more about what you do. Nothing you're going to do is going to get this done quickly for you. You have to get into a routine that almost involves doing a bit every day. It's how many hours you need to do every day how many numbers you actually need to engage that way enough people see you and then you have a chance to get enough connections and then enough conversations and then enough prospects and if enough people don't see you you're never going to achieve your goals on linkedin that's just a fact but that's the same for all marketing a lot of people you know they don't want 10 leads they want to talk to 10 people it doesn't work like that you're gonna to have to talk to a thousand people at least to get anywhere near 10 prospects whatever method you choose to bring it all together, here's what I say. So building your network on social media platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and any other platform gives you access to people that you can class as your friends, your community, or your network. So given that social networks typically only, typically only show your posts and activity to your connections and followers, your followers are the more people you have in your network, the more people will actually see you and your content organically without ads. The fact that social networks deliberately restrict the number of people that you can connect with organically means that you need a huge budget to advertise, get more connections these days, otherwise. So we will have to explore the other ways that, like those I've mentioned today 
to get in front of our target audience and engage them to want to connect with us. So these methods we've looked at today can help to get those connections, especially on LinkedIn. But I've made clear though, each method comes with its own challenges that you must address a consistent number of connections and then potential buyers. It's also worth bearing in mind the pitfalls of tactics like the ever-popular Search and Connect because they can land you in LinkedIn jail and then a lot of your mountain effort is wasted. Happy connecting, happy marketing. That's all for today's episode of the Learning Podcast with me, Enya Global.media. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have, then please give us a like. Better still, please hit the subscribe or the notification button. That way you'll be the first to know when the next episode drops in a couple of weeks. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Learning Podcast. Please like, share and subscribe to this podcast to stay ahead of your competition on LinkedIn and head to global.media.com to find out more.